We're back again, Shindig podcast number eight, back in Paddington, just uh, sitting in our little meeting room with Phil Astai. Good Hello. morning, Phil. Good uh, morning, afternoon, evening, listeners. Exactly. And of course, it doesn't matter what the day is, because this is going to live for eternity. So uh, we'll just say it's rather inclement temperature, but I think it's going to be nicer as the day goes by. So uh, just solstice has just happened. We're in summer in London. And uh, what's happened to us, Phil? Well, we've turned 40. Are you shindig at 40? Tell me, John, about shindig and how it became 40. Well, thanks for the uh, birthday wishes. Um, it's actually 46, 47. Seven. But it's been 40 issues on the high street, which is probably where most of the readers will have come across us. But I am very touched to say, and maybe the readers are slightly touched, because there are a number of people who email me to say that they have been reading since Gravedigger number one, all the way back in 1992, 93. So uh, there, there are a few of them, but I would imagine most readers came across us in WH Smith's or somewhere in America, and uh, it, that was 40 issues ago, which is insane. In the best possible way. Well, in the best possible way. I mean, we started off bi-monthly, so obviously we got a, a head start on ugly things and our old peers who do one or two a year. Uh, then we had a, a short period where we tried out being a quarterly publication, so we slowed down for one year. And then we came back again as a bi-monthly, and now we've extended that even more to I don't know what you what, don't know what you call that a six weekly. <laughs> so um, with the advent of three six weeklies, that has brought us up to forty issues, which I think for a small magazine writing about the weird stuff is a, a major achievement. Sometime Our suns will rise New days are starting 
Love Song for Diane from OPMC's second album, product of Pisces and Capricorn. I had the pleasure of speaking with Sheik from the band and uh, they're new to me, discovered them on the two Wawa reissues of the two albums from 1970 and 1971, a thing of rare beauty. Just unbelievable really how completely obscure and unknown these guys are just by these reissues today you'll like them i promise up the escalator in a bag comes the coal for the fire into the house where it's cold me and my kite we're all right don't worry, we're very busy Me and my kind, alright Don't worry, we're really very, very busy Every morning we Down to the docks by the river Watching the yachts grow sweet song in a not too dissimilar manner from our Dutch friends. That's uh, Me and My Kite from 1971 by Fuchsia. Hey guys, this is Jonathan Wilson, you know, and I'm here with Shindig. I love Shindig. And uh, so I'm Extremely happy to be here. 
And I uh, just wanted to say hi. Love you, cats. Peace. Love you, man. Peace, Jonathan. Forget your chambermaid, she's waiting on the seventh floor. They wanna show you too high cotton when you sing them slavery. They wanna sell and reproduce your golden boys. They wanna get down to the bottom of what it is that propels you. They'll never know that hard luck road you've been on.
Moses, I write the legend of pain Keep on writing Keep on writing Keep on writing Dan from the Wilson Band. Cheers, Shindig. You guys are great. Thanks, Dan. You're great. Jonathan, you're great. Jonathan Wilson and Dan from his band talking to me after an amazing show at the Village Underground in Shoreditch. It's the second time I've seen Jonathan in six months, and this one was just taking it to another level. Lots of people in the audience not all with beards. Um, it's wonderful to see a musician of this level reaching out to a larger audience. But of course, we all know, right, that if you like 60s West Coast American music, the reference points are all marked off. This is music for shindig readers. So I implore you, buy Jonathan Wilson's Fanfare album, go and see him live, and also by the forthcoming album, which I am in good knowledge of knowing will be with us by the end of the year. Pretty little hairdo Don't do what it used to Can't disguise the living All the miles that you've been through Looking like a train wreck Wearing too much makeup 
burden that you carry more than one soul could ever bear. So sad. Don't look so sad, Marina. There's another part to play. So sad. Don't look so sad, Marina. Save it for a rainy day. Save it for a rainy Someone come and take you home Waiting for a breakthrough What will you set your mind to? We stood outside the Chinese restaurant In the rain So sad Don't look so sad, Marina There's Andy Morton's entered the room. Yes, thank you very much, thank you very much. Sorry I'm so late. Well, this is Andy and that was the Jayhawks with Save It For A Rainy Day from 2003's Rainy Day Music, which along with its two predecessors Sound Of Lies and Smile are set for reissue, I think next month, July, on Universal with the full bells and whistles treatment, demos, bonus tracks, unreleased material, all the usual stuff. And then I think in August a straight ahead vinyl repros, which will be nice because I missed that on vinyl first time round. I think it was one of those blink and you miss it kind of releases. Vinyl not being on many people's minds in 2003, but thank God things have changed for the better there. Um, I interviewed Gary Luris of the uh, Jayhawks for the current shindig, which was uh, a real privilege and slightly nerve-wracking as he's been a, a figure that I've looked up to and whose music and uh, general sort of outlook I've enjoyed for, you know, getting on for 20 years now. He also kind of helps to join the dots. Um, we're very keen at Shindig, as you know, on joining the dots. He's one of these people who plays on a lot of other people's records and um, something he did not long ago was to take part in one of Jonathan Wilson's uh, Laurel Canyon 
uh, jams which have become something of a core celeb in those circles he's had all sorts of people Wilson you know he's got Crosby and Nash and Jackson Brown and people from the kind of 60s San Francisco Bay Area bands and then kind of current singer-songwriters and musicians he admires and he manages to get them all up to his gaff in Laurel Canyon um, and get them all to, to contribute and I guess they just jam and hang out and I'm presuming it's being recorded and might see the light of day at some point I'm not entirely sure we've got David Crosby in the forthcoming shindig very excitingly he's had a new album out and there's a Crosby Stills Nash Young tour 1974 tour box set coming out which is something like 40 tracks and a DVD oh it's just going to be magical hope I can get my hands on one of those I've got the download code which plays on some sanctified download player from a inverted commas major record label but um, I certainly want that Crosby set Crosby Stills Nash set it sounds pretty decent from what i've heard and uh yeah i'm enjoying jonathan wilson all the time i'm enjoying the jayhawks all the time i'm enjoying crosby stills nash and young all the time it's all good isn't it that's right mate yeah and of course they're touring they've got a few gigs uh in july and august i'm going to see them in bristol in a few weeks which i'm very very uh, excited about i mean this is what we try and do at shindig is throw bands into the mix that might have passed some of our readers by at the time i mean whether it's because the jayhawks were were sort of painted as, a, as an old country band or an Americana band or whatever I don't know but it's it's likely that a lot of people who are into this you know the birds and Neil Young and Crosby Stills and Nash and any number of the sort of classic American rock sounds wouldn't have picked up on the Jayhawks at the time but now they can. Hello I'm B Mitchell Reed and I've been around music and musicians for most of my life in recent years the emphasis has been on songwriter-singers and sometimes in some magic manner that I've never fully understood. They sort of come together, work out their ego problems, or perhaps not, and form a group. One of the legendary ones was The Birds. It was comprised of a young drummer called Michael Clark, Jim McGuinn, who kept the bird image alive the longest, David Crosby, Chris Hillman, and Gene Clark. Of them all, Gene Clark as a writer, singer, musician, has produced, in my opinion, some of the most memorable music over the last 10 years and has often been called one of the most sensitive young talents to ever hit the creative vortex that we call Los Angeles. His latest and best efforts are encompassed in an album on Asylum Records called No Other. In this hour, we will explore the Gene Clark of No Other and the Gene Clark of Yesterday. Why were you the one that, when, when all the uh, interaction, all that uh, tremendous uh, amount of ego tripping was going down in the good days after you had made it, why were you the one in the middle getting all those vibrations or the most susceptible to the vibration? Well, <laughs> up front, that's a very sensitive question. <laughs> but, uh, Mitch, it's really hard to explain that. Let's say Roger McGuinn and I and David Crosby are probably better friends now than we've ever been in our entire life all the way down the line. We're all good friends. How many years after the beginning of the relationship is this? Oh, God, say 10 years later. You know, I mean, we went through a long time where we didn't know whether we were jealous of each other. Now, I'm being very honest with you. I wanted to be honest. Right. Uh, whether we were jealous of each other, whether we were envious, whether one guy was more talented than the other, and of course, we were very young. I mean, the falling out of the birds 
was really a mistake. It was not on purpose by anybody's purpose. It only had to do with a bunch of guys who made it so big when they were 19, 20, and 21 years old that they could not possibly fucking handle it. When Tambourine Man hit uh, in 60, late 64, 65, uh, I was uh, 19, 20 years old, you know. And uh, at that age, uh, with that kind of success, first up, you've got to be put on with yourself because it's your first time around where you really, like there was a time when we couldn't walk down the street, and that is a fact, without being hassled, mobbed, uh, confronted, raped, whatever, you know, it, it, I mean, it doesn't matter, you know, like whatever the facts are, it was happening, and at that time, it's hard to cope with being friends with somebody uh, that close to you, uh, until years later, when everybody did their own thing, took, took a while to realize who they were, and then all at once come back again and uh, after a few years say, hey man, <laughs> I didn't even know. Did you feel it was a wilderness after you left the group that you wandered through? Oh, definitely, man, for at least three years. Yeah. That would be about, what, when did you leave the group, what year? Uh, 67. 67. Early 67, yeah. Late 66 and early 67. Through 70, 1970. Um, did you uh, come upon the people such as, say, Doug Dillard and people like that while you were a bird, or did you know them before, uh, you know? I knew Doug was before. Uh, I never have communicated or, say, infinitized with anyone, unless I already had a vibration when I first met them beforehand. Yeah. Uh, in other words, Doug and I flashed on each other ages before we became a team. Doug and I are still very good friends, and uh, I will say that he is probably one of the most chemically, chemically inspiring persons to me. As a matter of fact, on this brand new album I just did, yeah. he and I wrote one of the songs together, All right. Lady of the North. Lady of the North, right. right. I spent a year writing and analyzing the material on this mm. album. In other words, I live at my ranch in Mendocino. That's where I do all my writing. Or I do maybe half of each song. Mm. Then I fly down to LA and I finish them. Mm. And then I use this energy to record them. So it's a balance to me of the two. It is not a San Francisco sound. It is not True. a LA sound because one or the other is lacking in one flavor or the other. In other words, I get my clear head and my creative writing ability from the peaceful northern coast, but when I come to L.A., the energy hits me to inspire me to finish and to then give it the punch and, and to get all the way down, and also I have access to the finest musicians in the world. And believe me, no matter if you go to London, San Francisco, it doesn't matter where you go, Texas, all the finest professionals are in L.A. at this time. Okay, so when you come down from the ranch, you come down from Mendocino, right. the 103-year-old house that you were describing to me, right. um, and you 
all this great uh, built-up, you know, impetus is there. Right, right. Uh, is it a burnout when you when you when you've completely done it? Do you have to go back there to? Uh, to oh yes, de oh yes, definitely. Because it's a high. It's just like uh, McGuinn summed it up one time. Someone asking me, he said, "What's it like to be in front of twenty-eight thousand people and then go back to your hotel room after all of those people have hit you with that energy?" He says, "It's probably one of the hardest gigs in the world and one of the heaviest come downs." Wow. Gene Clark, no other, continues in a moment. The reunion. How did that all come about? The reunion of uh, on Asylum Records of you and uh, David and Chris and Michael, taking Michael back from Maui, and uh, who have I left out? Roger. How did that all come about? The reunion was a frantic, excited, overblown, uh, pushy, uh, and not to slam any one person, but the record company was overexcited about it stroked us too much on it. We didn't have time enough to really get down and make a record. Chris Hillman was on the road with Manassas. Roger McGuinn was on the road with the other birds. David Crosby and I uh, ended up being the only two people who were in the studio constantly working on the album. And without teamwork, you can't make a historical album for let's not even say a comeback because in these days there is no such thing I don't believe I believe that what is the birds or the Beatles or the stones or Elvis Presley has nothing to do with a comeback no uh, we've all heard of the Kingston trios 35th farewell tour and yeah. we've all heard of Rudy Valley for the 25th time in his farewell performance. But these days, that is not the case. When the birds are 60 years old, they could be playing music together. Uh, I think that no other, if you had uh, Thomas Jefferson Caper do, right. uh, is probably the best thing. First of all, I think that for the first time in a long, long while, the perfect match of a perfect meeting of a producer, an artist and a producer, had taken place. And um, the, the chemistry, the magic, what is the magic, what is the chemistry that goes down once you, you reach right. the rap floor? That's not so hard to explain. It's, it's the respect of each other. In other words, like, you put two bulls in a pen, and they horn each other for half an hour, and then they say, okay, man, you're a stud, too. All right? Gotcha. Is a, is a flash that I didn't expect to hear, but they think No, it's very important. Oh, because of the cross-pollination? Right. Because of the cross-pollination. Also because I remember the day that Dewey Martin came to my house after I'd quit the birds, and he said, Richie Furway, Stephen Stills, and I are starting a group. We'd really like for you to be in it. And I said, nah. Mm -hmm. I was spaced. I was confused. I turned my telephone off the wall. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't fly on an airplane anymore. You know, I was, you know, I was into that whole thing. And uh, I said, no, man, I have to pass. Uh, I can't do it, you know. The trip is now that music spans through an ageless generation. There is no more gap between my children and me, for example, I True. know. 
There is not the same gap, man. My children and me are in direct communication. All right, they are faster, and they are more intelligent because they're born with that. See, it used to be a few years ago that this whole thing of anyone who drank a, a, a shot of hard liquor and didn't smoke pot and was over 30 was a has-been. Now we're all over 30. Right. A lot of us are over 40. Right. Let's hope that the music scene, whether it's a new one that springs up out of nowhere, whether it's the people who continue, and I do believe that those who are real artists are going to continue to maintain no matter what, uh, just like Frank Sinatra has been singing and performing for uno months, years. Yep. It doesn't matter. If you are a real artist, you are going to be a real artist. And in conclusion, uh, I would like to say that I sure hope that the birds will regroup again under study. Uh, in other words, under an intelligent formulation and take time. I mean, if it takes us two years to do an album, if it's an innovation again, yeah. as it was, it's no good unless it is. Mm -hmm. And I believe that totally with all my soul. Well, but, that uh, means that you um, will stop your uh, the road touring when you, when you want no, to. No, I'll do, I'll finish off what I'm doing. Yeah. Because everyone else is fairly busy at this mm -hmm. time, too. I mean, you got Hillman Souther and Foray. Right. And, you know, you also have uh, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Yeah. And you got Roger McGuinn on his own. And you have me now on my own. Yeah. And so you have, you know, a combination of a bunch of people that have a lot of work to do before we get into it. But what we should do, say maybe a year from now, is stop everything, put our heads back together and workshop. Otherwise... I can say this to you and to everyone listening, that I won't do it. You just heard Gene Clark, obviously, of course, the one and only Gene Clark, being interviewed in 1974, which would have been on the back of no other. Um, interesting to hear, hey? That's a, a bonus download for those of you, and I would like to think it would be many of you, who are going to buy the vinyl, or CD version of the wonderful Two Sides to Every Story album. Came out in 1977. A heavy bearded Gene waving his lack of conformity in the face of punk. Of course, a sort of standardised country rock album wasn't really going to cut the mustard back then, and it essentially ended Gene's career. Very sad. But um, it's a great record and we're now going to listen to what I personally think is one of the nicest songs on the album a song which could be from any period of Gene's career it's called Silent Crusade just listen to this beauty I'm told that my life is a clipper of time has tossed about And I know that there's only one skipper Who can guide that ship about To the wakening eyes of the wanderer so 
within and in without Silently the truth speaks more loudly Than what falls from my mouth Seems my dreams are the wings of a spirit This vessel's sails can't fill without From its wind comes the light of inspiration And the darkness of doubt Gales of anger that wane into the calm Please take me drifting far away From the wordy and worldly explanation Of the space we call today Sail away Sail away from the shore You're currently listening to the Bevis Frond once more from the 1987 album Inner Marshland, which was his second. Very wigged out psychedelia for the period, of course. Like minded Americans, Plasticland made their debut album in 1984 and the rather bizarrely titled Disengaged from the World seems to combine post-punk, 60s mod pop and garage like it was brand new. Listen and enjoy two tracks from the 80s. (laughs) 
Fallen images like breaking glass Appear in the dark and then quickly pass The night with its fears and solitude Waiting for tomorrow's interlude Frozen water for another time Lies lost in the open like sparkling wine Take care not to lose your inner glow Wait till tomorrow and keep your head low Festival lights cascade in your mind Rainwashed dreams that you're hoping to find The day with hopes and aspirations Waiting for tomorrow in anticipation
You are listening to the Shindig Broadcast in association with Folklore Tapes. You are listening to the Shindig Broadcast in association with Folklore Tapes.
Okay, a couple of tracks you just heard then were from new bands, artists that have uh, got new material out. Um, that was Pete Molinari first with his track You Will Be Mine from his new album Theosophy, which Jeanette uh, has interviewed. I love that track. It's had Andrew Weatherall do his production stuff on it, so there's a few harping synths and sitars going on. He's opening yeah. a bit, Pete. He's opening up, and I've always liked him since the first album. I think he doesn't care. I think he can go out to America and he can play some decent blues festivals. He can go to the continent because, you know, he does sit in with the blues and the folk troubadour market. I was a little bit surprised, though, because he's got a, such a strong imagery, a uniqueness that, you know, you can compare to maybe someone like Jack White or Amy Winehouse. You know, he should, I thought he was going to go massive and it didn't ever seem to happen. He's maybe happy about that. He's maybe not. What do you think? Well, I don't know. You'll have to ask him. But I think well, I, he's certainly I, I think on this he new... he's pretty happy. But, I mean, I think he's great. He's certainly he's taken what he did and does so well for the first three albums, which is that kind of dylan thing. Yeah, it's that village, but, Greenwich Village vibe, you know, the but big delta. Yeah, with an, yeah, but he's taken it and he's he's added new people to the mix, really, which well, has given it a heavier, it's like a harder, heavier sound. But he's still, kept, he's still kept his, his, yeah. himself there and his voice which is incredible, it's still very strong. His look's changed ever so slightly. There's a bit more of a 60s thing going on, um, you know, mid-60s rather than early. I don't know whether, again, that's purposeful, but he, he certainly looks less of a country singer now, and I think this album has opened it up. And I like the way, in his interview, he speaks about cosmic things, you know, which were kind of the plane Dylan was travelling on, which led the way to hippiedom. So he's, he's kind of opened up. and. In Shindig, it doesn't matter if you're a massive famous star or not. We're never, ever going to have Kasabian in, and they're massive. But I just <laughs> thought he was heading to be a megastar. But yeah. obviously, the, the rest of the world aren't as turned on yeah. or interested in music as we are. Okay, well, that's yeah. Pete and a and great then, track. Yeah. What next? And then also you heard John, the John Steele Singers with their track State of Unrest, which is from their recently about to be launched um, new album, um, Everything's a Fred. They are from Brisbane, which is a, a city close to my heart, um, and that's a second album, and it's um, yeah, it's it's a great album, and you we're gonna be hearing more about them over the next year. I yeah, think. That, that's new to me, yeah. and it's kind of like we've discussed with positives and negatives attached. It's kind of of the new psych scene, although many of these young bands aren't gonna want to be. Uh, classified as just that, but it, it's one of the newer acts that aren't as much into retrospective nature of the bands that I came from, but they've got elements of that stuff going on, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of, you know, it's it, it's the kind of Beach Boys harmonies and the crack rock rhythms and lots of skew with style pop music, really, all mashed up together in this interesting Australian view of how to make music and it's just it's just done really well. And you wrote this little feature, didn't you? Yeah, a little write a little piece. Um, I mean there's no concrete scene in Australia, but what there is is a bunch of a bunch of bands doing disparate but strong music. I just wanted to, you know, shine a light on it for an issue. And I'll shine a light on this issue and where why we're here, going back to that 40th thing, is I think twenty odd years ago there were scenes within boxes, rockabilly, garage, mod, and most people were either one or nothing. You know, you were a rockabilly or you were a garage kid. It, it, there wasn't even a garage kid mod crossover. That was happening as the 90s grew. There's something really good today, which I think is personally much more refreshing, 
that that's completely broken free. And although there are still 60s clubs and what have you, the people who go to them are very, very different. You don't have to worry about what you wear so much. And the musical influences from like 50 years are so great and dynamic that there aren't really that many purist garage bands left. It's, uh, it, it's a new era where these new kids are sort of putting more on the plate, which is, you know, some people aren't going to like it because it, it, there's less um, reason to hang a hook, to hang them on a certain hook, you know, this is garage mm. or this is kraut rock, but they're mixing it all together. And this is what we're increasingly seeing in It's a Happening Thing. It's true. Okay, and a couple more tracks then uh, for recently being released. Um, first up, you're going to hear uh, uh, Groovy Uncle with their new single on State Records. Um, and there is going to be some Groovy Uncle uh, editorial in the next issue, so look out for that. Uh, and then finally, you'll hear the new single by the Magnetic Mind from here in London um, with their excellent. Very 60 sounding uh, when the morning comes. So, uh, here's some music.
coming to a close now. I'd just like to thank Phil and Andy as ever for both their excellent contributions to the show and the magazine itself. Okay, well, coming up, we've got The Honeycomb, Take Me With You, P.F. Sloan, Karma, A Study of Divinations, and John Cale and Terry Riley's The Soul of Patrick Lee. Learning, 
that Buddha was knowledge And Christ was beloved And it sounded to be holy So I kept my eyes uncovered Of the fantastic plays on her celestial heart A chant that's been heard For nearly two thousand years And they knew it to be holy But nobody was listening And now history holds its breath As the sleepy dream awakens Says anything is possible with you Cause you're in my generation For playing, sunsets for thinking, what the days can bring. There is nothing new, just what you've forgotten. And no one motion breezes if you're up on that journey. With flying fish are playing And dolphins are learning That Buddha was knowledge And Christ was beloved And it sounded to be holy So I kept my ears uncovered Footsteps failing, falling, falling from the sky Down from Bangor with her eagles Stepping out before her time She did cry and she did fly Sang a long way Here and there To Swansea Bay More and more The tides ran with it A murder Mary Come and gone Folded arms And Christendom 
face that didn't know It's a long, long time It's a long time It's a long, long time To go Then came Christmas moving slowly Slowly crossing That's it, so we're going to end this show with The Who. Yes, The Who. The Who are on the cover of The Next Shindig, which is out on the 31st of July. Um, They're my favourite band, and it's very exciting to be able to get round to covering them in some minute detail, as is our way. Um, And to sort of reflect the nature of the story that we're running on the band, we're going to listen to their much maligned but staggeringly brilliant and amazing Summer 68 single, Dogs. Ta-da!
me wage packet hoarded. And I'll put 25 nicker please on yellow printer. <laughs> oh, I hope the wife didn't find out. Yes, it's sure to win, isn't it? Yes, I know, it's a good dog. I saw it run at White City just last week. Broke the record. Yellow printer, nice dog. It's lovely form, lovely buttocks.